Hello everyone, and welcome to Refinery Life Radio. I'm Gary Hoban, and I'm the Senior Pastor and Lead Elder of Refinery Life Church Australia on the beautiful Gold Coast. If you're on the Gold Coast anytime, come and join us as we meet together and we share in the Word of our Lord. We meet at 9.30 on Sundays at 222 Turpin Road, Labrador. And for more details, you can visit our website, which is www.refinerylife.org. And today we're going to continue our message the, the, the theme and the series we're working on, which is the modern message of the minor prophets. And as we know, they were the proclaimers of the timeless truths of God about humankind and the critical issues of life. And today we're talking about obey God because you love him. And the verse we're concentrating on is Malachi 2.10. It talks about sin in the family. It says... Do we not all have one Father? Has not one God created us? Why do we deal treacherously with one another, profanely profaning the covenant of our fathers with God? And the scripture reading, which we'll work through, and we'll read it together now. So if you, if as long as you're not driving your car, grab your Bible and we'll have a read through it together. It's Malachi 1, 2-5. It says, I have loved you, says the Lord. But you say, how and in what way have you loved us? Was not Esau Jacob's brother, declares the Lord? Yet I love Jacob. But in comparison with my love for Jacob, I have hated Esau, and I have made his mountains a wasteland, and have given his inheritance to the jackals in the wilderness. Verse 4. Though impoverished, Edom says, We have been beaten down, but we will return and build up the ruins. Thus says the Lord of hosts, they may build, but I will tear it down. And men will call them the wicked territory, the people against whom the Lord showed indignant favor. Uh, sorry, the Lord is indignant forever. Verse 5, your eyes will see this, and you will say the Lord is great and shall be magnified beyond the border of Israel. Let's pray before we go any further. Father, we remember that Jesus was once offered all the material things in the world if he would fall down and worship Satan. We also remember that he refused because he realized that it was a bad deal. Help us, Lord. Always keep our priorities straight and to view all the kingdoms in this world from the perspective of him who said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust corrupts. Help us not only recognize that giving, Lord, is holy to you, but realize that our motive in giving is also of equal concern to you. Knowing that you love a cheerful giver, Lord, may we bring our gifts to you gladly today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So the last prophetic voice in Israel before John the Baptist and Jesus was Malachi. He actually lived after the golden age of prophecy had started to wane. But his insights equaled, and in some cases, exceeded anything to be found in the messages of his predecessors. He possessed a concept of God's universal kingdom as great as Isaiah. His high and holy view of marriage was worthy of hearing. His teaching that divine love is holy, love rooted in God's majesty, is up there with Hosea's. And although he came last... 
There was nothing inferior or second-rate about this final Old Testament spokesman for God. Malachi stood far above any man of his day and compares favorably with any prophet in any period. So what was Malachi's background? You know, we've all heard it. Eternal vigilance is the price of liberty. When any generation has been robbed of its familiar gods of material security, progress, and human self-sufficiency by the forces of agnosticism, trouble, and despair, then comes God's time. And that time had arrived for Judah. Haggai and Zechariah had led the people to build the temple, but now the people's spiritual life was slipping backwards again. A need existed for a man of God to declare the divine counsel without compromise. There was a man available, and that was Malachi. And we find three main themes in his book. The first one is dreamers must face reality. Deep scars were left on Israel because of the post-exile age's bitter frustration. The returning captives came to Jerusalem with tremendous enthusiasm, aspiring to re-establish the glorious days of Israel. And they believed that the promises of the prophets who preceded them would come to pass with amazing and literal accuracy in their lives. They looked for the land to produce a miraculous abundance and for all nations to serve them. And how disappointed they were. Every dreamer must, somewhere down the line, face the cold, hard facts of life. Dreams may motivate us for the future, but dreams will never win the game. There were four strong personalities that preceded Malachi. Haggai and Zechariah were the prophets of that time. Ezra and Nehemiah likewise played an important part in the history of this period. Ezra led the group from Babylon to Jerusalem and then taught the law to the Israelites. And Nehemiah was a layman who left a place of personal prestige in the king's service to come to Jerusalem and to lead the people in rebuilding a great wall around the city to replace the one that had been destroyed. Ezra followed him with another great teaching program after that. But always, every time, the people went back to their careless living and superficial commitment. Malachi came on the scene at the close of the work of these great people during a time of discouragement and moral regression. He had come to remind them again and again that a great nation is not built on dreams, but on deeds. How true is it of this life in any generation? Dreams are important, don't get me wrong, but they are alone not enough. We need a foundation. Like in everything else, we receive our greatest example in dreaming and doing from our Saviour. The second point was God's presence is purifying. This is the second part of his book. Precious metal is rarely found without other substances being found in it. The refiner's work is to free it from the lesser ingredients and the lesser things. He heats the ore that's mixed with lead in a crucible and blows air on it until the lead oxidizes. The impurities rise to the surface and create a film that's then removed. And the refiner watches the process closely and keeps the heat at the proper temperature. The colour becomes clearer and the impurities start to disappear. And he knows when the process is finished because he sees his own face reflected in the molten metal. 
Malachi used this figure of speech in Malachi 3.2 to convey the fact that God is constantly at work in the lives of his loved ones. Let's read it, Malachi 3.2. But who can endure the day of his coming? And who can stand when he appears? For he is like the refiner's fire and the launderer's soap, which removes impurities and uncleanliness. Adversity is often the greatest blessing that a Christian can encounter, although we don't see it that way when it's happening. Suffering drives people to knock on the gate of God in prayer. God had disciplined Israel because he loved them and he saw the possibility of using them in his work. And likewise, God must refine us in the furnace of disappointment and tears. But when he sees his image reflected in us, he knows that his work has been successful. (coughs) The third thing that comes out of Malachi's book is the king is coming. Old Testament prophecy concludes with a clear statement that the son of righteousness, and that's S-U-N, not S-O-N, will arise with healing in his wings. It's verse 4-2. It's a clear reference to the coming of Jesus Christ. And also Malachi said that God will send the prophet Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children in verses 4-5-6. The New Testament says that this was John the Baptist in Matthew eleven fourteen, and in Mark 9-11 and 9-13. However dark Israel's history was, God never failed to speak through his prophets a message of hope and deliverance. It's something that we're, we're greatly missing these days. No matter how dark our history is, a lot of the prophets that are getting around aren't speaking a message of hope and deliverance. They're speaking a message that's lining their pockets. The great theme of the Old Testament is God's redemptive work in both the present and the future. God chose Abraham as his instrument, promising that his seed, but sorry, that through his seed, all the nations of the earth would be blessed. And for us, the promise is sure. Our king is coming. We don't know when, but we do know that he's coming. Therefore, we should wait and we should watch and we should work. All is both law and love. God commands us, but we do not obey merely through a sense of obligation. We obey because we've been redeemed. Any other motive for service other than that of love will fall short at the crisis time. We may do certain things because we fear God and his wrath, but maturity will not come until we learn that the love of Christ is the constraining force for all of our Christian service. Faith, hope, and love are great, but love is the greatest of all. So your challenge this week is that, to understand that faith and hope are great. It's great to dream, but love is the greatest of all. We need action. We need service. And I really want to encourage you to be diligent with your Bible study time because God has so much more for us that we can get from just going to church once or twice a week and listening to someone else talk about the word. When you spend time with God, your life will change in amazing ways because God is a redeemer. And there's nothing that's too hard for him. He can make you whole, spirit, soul, and body. And you're important to God. You know that already. 
but you're also important to us at the refinery. So when it comes to prayer, we believe that God wants to meet your needs and reveal his promises directly to you. So whatever you're concerned about, whatever you need prayer for, we want to be here for you. Even if you just want to say hi, you can contact us on www.refinerylife.org or via any of our social media channels. And until next time, stay in the blessings.